Hi, I'm Kristen, and this is the Simple Handmade Everyday Podcast, where I talk about living a creative, intentional life. I like to chat about quilting, knitting, sometimes cross-stitching, what I'm reading and watching, and a little bit about self-care, productivity, and keeping a cozy, organized home. I've got my cup of tea in hand, so grab yours, and let's settle in for a chat. This is episode 103. Hello, friends. It's been a while. I took a bit of an unintentional break for several reasons, and one of them is that uh, I've got quite a cough still right now, and we're, this will be an experiment as to whether I can get through this recording without dissolving into a coughing fit. But uh, welcome back if this is uh, your regular listener, and welcome if you're new. Um, this is uh, d- July 23rd, 2023. And um, yeah, welcome to summer. Summer finally made it to Southern California. May and June were very cool and overcast. And I'm not really complaining because the the heat has hit us. Although I feel almost personally guilty about the way the heat wave is hitting um, the U.S. right now. But where I am, yeah, you know, we've got like a high of 90 or something. So it's not, not bad at all. So I feel for you guys out there that are really battling the heat. Um, I'm recording early morning here. I've got my cup of tea, um, which is the only time of day I can (laughs) drink hot tea right now. And I think I've probably talked about it before. My daughter gave it to me for, I think, Mother's Day. Um, It's from the Republic of Tea, and it's called Blackberry Sage, Tea for Wisdom. It is black tea with, I'm looking for the ingredients, blackberry flavor and sage. And I'm not one for uh, heavily flavored tea, but this is just the right amount of a little something extra to black tea. And I absolutely adore it. So it's been an interesting summer so far. I think I talked to you last at the end of May where I had just probably come back from a business trip to Massachusetts. And in um, June, I went for, I don't know, nine or 10 days to Stockholm, Sweden. And it was wonderful. The first part of that trip was uh, a business meeting, which was fine. I felt like I had managed my um, my jet lag pretty well. But I had to tell you that when it's one thing like when you travel um, like when we went to Italy last year, I felt like we managed it pretty well. But like when you're walking and doing things, then it's it's hard, it's it's easy to forget that you're tired or whatever. But when you're sitting in a dark room watching presentations and you're a little jet lagged, it is so easy to get sleepy. So that was a little bit of a struggle for the first few days. Plus the fact that um, it gets light there at and. I think this probably it it got even more so because we were heading right to the summer solstice while I was there. But it got light at 3.30 a.m. It got dark about 10.30 or 11 p.m. And so the first day, um, like I hadn't really done a really good job of of closing up my curtains in my hotel room. And plus there was a a huge window in the bathroom and I left the bathroom door open. So I, I would wake up and it just seemed like it was the middle of the day and I would just wake up in a panic like, oh my gosh, I've overslept. I've let, I've missed the meeting or whatever. And it would be like, no, it's four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so that took some getting used to. But um, that was kind of a, a, I don't know, I'm glad to have experienced that. Like we got used to it. Um, so then at the end of the meeting my husband flew in and then we had three full days he uh in in stockholm so uh, for the meeting we were just at a hotel we were in a you know uh, turns out stockholm is a series of 
like 14 major islands and but in reality there's like 30,000 um, a bunch of little ones um, and the island we were on was pretty cool it's called uh, Kung's home which means King's home it's where the city hall is which is an amazing building um, and it was right by I want it seemed like a river but it's just it's an island so it's really just the ocean and <laughs> um, and so, you know, I got, I did lots of walks down there and, you know, um, got food from these cool food trucks and things like that, but I hadn't really explored Stockholm, but until my husband came. And so then we were all over the place. So that was really fun. Um, here's a few of my, just my takeaways about Stockholm is, well, it turns out that there is only really about six weeks of summer. And so in, in, these people are trapped in small apartments like eight months out of the year, from what I understand, from talking to someone who lives in Stockholm. And so the minute the the, the sun is out and the temperature gets to, you know, reasonable, they are outside all the time. So like on a Monday afternoon at three o'clock in the afternoon, this park across from our hotel, there are hundreds of people. And there's all these very cool little beer gardens and little bocce ball places. And these places are packed. Like, so I'm not sure exactly how people are work, you know, doing their working hours, but they are absolutely packed. The picnic culture, at least the island we were on, very strong. People are just constantly walking down there with their little bags and picnic blankets everywhere. And it was just, it was so fun to see. And then when it got to be the weekend, the hundreds of people at these uh, this park turned into thousands. I mean, it was insane. And just people outside, just walking all the time. It was just absolutely amazing. So gosh, it's been a month since we've been here. So, so you know, some of the highlights um, that we um, went to, we went to the, the palace, which is home to many different um, museums. So that was uh, very cool. And the Vasa Museum was perhaps the highlight. Um, the Vasa is this huge ship that was, it, I don't know, now I'm blanking out, maybe... 16th century maybe 17th century it was a warship but it was also supposed to be a floating embassy it was just the most over-the-top completely completely like wooden um, ship ever built with insane amount of carvings and art it was just absolutely over the top um, sort of you know kind of like the Titanic and much like the Titanic it only made it a not that this is exactly like the Titanic but it made it about a what was it a thousand meters on its maiden voyage offshore and then it sunk like a rock and it stayed there for over 300 years and then when they had the technology to to excavate it they brought it up they reconstructed it and built the most amazing museum around it everyone kept saying that we had to go to the boss and we're like it's a ship like why do we care about this but when you get there the ship is amazing they have reconstructed it amazingly but the whole um, museum was amazing it's like three stories tall and um, and the ship is just right there. Like you could almost touch it. It's just, it's just suspended right there. So with the three stories, you get to see different aspects of it. And the way they just had the information laid out, there were just these tiny little bits of information about what you were looking at. So it was so easy to digest. They reconstructed like um, different rooms of the ship, since obviously no one's in the ship. They reconstructed them so that you could walk through them in other parts of the museum. It was absolutely amazing. Um, we went to an uh, and the, I think it's like the largest outdoor museum there called, um, now I'm going to forget, Sanskin. 
and um, where you got to see where they'd brought all the different um, buildings from different parts. You know, we, we walk through, um, you know, 18th, 18th century, you know, blacksmith shop and, a, you know, an early 19th century pharmacy and, you know, different houses of this was, you know, like a farmer's house. This was a ironmonger's house, you know, just, you know, that whole back, you know, and people were, um, you know, reenacting in full costume and everything. That was very cool. Um, and there was just, frankly, there's so much oceanfront property in Stockholm because it's all islands that, you know, we were just able to have meals, just looking out onto the water and, you know, a little cocktail in the, in the you know, afternoon, evening kind of thing. And um, just kind of relax that way. There was a ton of walking, but also just a, a ton of relaxing and sort of soaking in the Scandinavian atmosphere. So it was, it was absolutely delightful. So even though I am Scandinavian, Stockholm was never something that was on a bucket list for me. So I feel very um, lucky to have gotten the the opportunity to to visit there. And so three full days was uh, was a, a very nice amount of time to feel like we really we saw what we needed to see. So then all of a sudden it was July, and I had some time off around the Fourth of July, and really dug into. Um, doing something with our backyard so that I felt inspired to be out there this summer. So for, um, I don't know, four days in a row, I spent three hours every morning just weeding, mulching, and then I decided that we need more color. Um, and so I went and bought a bunch of plants and, you know, that it were more like annual color and it, it created quite an, a nice little atmosphere out there. And then we all got COVID. <laughs> My son was first, um, very end of June or early July is when uh, he fell victim, which was too bad because it was the day before he was supposed to go on a road trip with his friends to the Grand Canyon that they had been planning forever. A um, couple days later, my husband, so when my son had it, you know, we isolated him, we treated him like a king. He was in one bedroom, we have an empty other second bedroom um, that we would put his food and stuff in there, big pictures of water and stuff, and then we would leave and then he'd come into that room and get it. It was like the neutral territory room. And then my husband got it, so then they owned the upstairs and I started just living downstairs. And then a few days later, I got it. And it's it's been rough, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, we had what are now you know considered um, mild symptoms, which I just think means, you know, you didn't end up in the hospital. But um, I am fully two and a half weeks out from when I got it. And I'm not 100%. As a matter of fact, I just had to stop because I still have a cough. And um, my energy is, is, I don't know, I feel like I'm 80, 90% back on energy. That was the, the biggest thing is just besides the cough and you know, sore throat, head, headache, that kind of stuff. It was the extreme fatigue that was just so hard to take. And then just when I felt like we were sort of getting out of it, my husband got it a second time. He had, he rebounded. And so then we had to go all the way back to him isolating, which was, he didn't have to isolate from me, but you know, he couldn't leave the house and we're back to wearing, having to wear masks outside. I'm actually still on that. I'm, I'm not supposed to go out in public without a mask for a few more days. And um, it was just a bummer because my exercise class that I've gotten so addicted to had um, kind of a bunch of fun events, a, a yoga retreat and things like that, and I wasn't able to go. But as long as we are completely better next week or almost completely better, um, 
things are really happening around here because uh, we are going down to San Diego. My college-age son is um, moving into his apartment in San Diego because he's got a job down there. So we're moving, helping him move there. And then my daughter is moving to Chicago. So, um, and the, the trailer that's taking the stuff to Chicago is actually back where we live. So we are moving her stuff back here to load onto the trailer. So my, like my little cozy existence of all my three kids living in San Diego, and it was so fun to go and be able to visit them all. This is all crazy. Like this whole emptiness life, like at this very moment, I've got uh, my middle son, Jonah, he's actually in Australia on a business trip. And my younger son is in Yosemite and the, my daughter's packing to move to Chicago. It's like, I have just whiplash from this, you know, how did, how did we get here? <laughs> I mean, I'm happy for all of them, but, um, yeah, I just feel like changes, changes are coming. Yeah. So, um, anyways, that is kind of what July has been. I just feel like in many ways, July is a blur of illness. And um, once we get into August, everybody's going to be settled into their new places. And, um, and things will calm down a bit and we'll just adjust to the new normal. All right, before we move on to the quilting segment, um, once again, I want to thank the Fat Quarter Shop for sponsoring the podcast. The Fat Quarter Shop is a one-stop shop for quilting fabric supplies for quilters around the world. They stock quilt shop quality fabrics, pre-cuts, quilt kits, patterns, notions, and as we all know now, cross-stitch supplies. Right now is such a great time to hop on over to the Jolly Jabber blog because this is where they list all of their quilt alongs and sew alongs and they are doing so many right now some with a paid pattern some with a free pattern um i'm in the middle and i'll talk about this a little bit later of doing the evergreen mystery stitch along so just so many fun things to get involved with at the fat quarter shop as always i will put a link in the show notes I am sorry to say that I have not been doing a lot of quilting, although I'm itching to get back into the sewing room, perhaps even this afternoon, because even though I got really on to putting the sashing on my great granny square quilt that I've talked about many times, and I had just, you know, sort of recently decluttered my and reorganized my sewing space, I'm I'm feeling strangely <laughs> um, hesitant or just reluctant to get in there. So I want to get over that. So, so that's going to be coming up soon. The other thing is when summer hits and the weather's nice, I want to be outside all the time. And I don't like, as I sort of consider it, I'm saying this with air quotes, wasting time inside when I could be outside in the garden or just in my swing chair, stitching or knitting or, or doing whatever. Um, but now it's starting to get hot enough that it's too hot to be out there in the middle of the day. So I think I'll be back inside um, sewing. And one thing I think I need is once I get through the great granny square quilt is I just need a new quilt that I'm really inspired about. And um, I'm not sure what that can be, but maybe it might be this. The Fat Quarter Shop, um, as I've talked about before, as, as, as a sponsor, they send me um, some, you know, quilt patterns and and notions and cross-stitch things, which is, is so fun. And then a lot of times I'm able to share those with you guys via giveaways. Um, but one thing that they came out with recently that I just received is called Seasonal Stitchy Stars. Now, the Stitchy Stars pattern, I believe started out as a cross-stitch pattern. And it's just, um, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven quilt 
block star designs in a row and it was just a cute little um, thing that Lori Holt designed that people were you know just doing as a long pillow or maybe around a drum or something for cross stitch and then um, the fat quarter shop started doing things or maybe it was Lori Holt somebody started just changing up the colors of it to to reflect different seasons you know so you could do a Christmas version or a fourth of July you know patriotic version that kind of a thing and so now they've turned it into a quilt pattern. So it's a table runner and it is um, 16 and a half by 79 and a half. So if you have like a 60 inch table, that's going to um, drape over nicely on each side. And I would love to tell you that I could name these star patterns, but I'm not even sure they have names. Very cute star patterns, but there are... Um, so it's, you know, it's one quilt pattern and it's, um, it's by It's So Emma, you know, which is the Fat Quarter Shop imprint of quilt patterns and they do such a great job it's a booklet it's full color it's 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 beautifully done so there's a winter version which is kind of a um it's red and green but it's kind of more like red and and it's more like a burgundy and a dusty rose and green you know so two two shades of red and green oh and th two colors of green a darker and a lighter spring is more of a um a lighter green, yellow, and pink. Summer, basically red, white, and blue. And then fall, orange, gray, green, and yellow. So, you know, same pattern, um, but just different colorways. And if you wanted to, you could buy all the fabric from Lori Holt, of course. And this is, I'm looking at um, if it's from a particular line, I don't know. Um, oh yeah, she actually has many different, her prim line, calico line, B basics, B ginghams, B plaids, prairie, things like that. So, um, but I personally think this would be such a perfect type of pattern to use as a stash buster because it's, um, just doesn't, you just don't need that much, um, fabric to create any one of these fabric runners. So maybe that would be a, a fun, uh, a fun project to kind of get me uh, back sewing. And these star blocks, they're um, they're pretty complicated. Like I, I don't mean that, you know, I and I just mean that in a good way, that they're very interesting to look at. And so, um, yeah. So anyways, that is super cute. The other thing they sent me is, you know, they kind of are into, Fat Quarter Shop, is into um, a, creating quilt block foundation papers. And I'm not a big um, foundation an FPP person, um, but I do appreciate how much easier they make a complicated block. So the new one, I have a 12 inch and a eight inch version for what is called Vintage Sunburst. And it is a very uh, cool block that looks like it's got kind of um, triangles sort of fanned out around a center and um, they're quite beautiful. So I'll probably be giving those away in a future podcast. And if I still can't quite make myself sit behind the sewing machine, then I have several projects that I could work on while sitting outside or not behind the machine. I have several hand quilting projects that I could work on, and then even a handwork project, um, a hand piecing project that I started many years ago. So I just do, I am missing quilting, um, but you know, I don't know, sometimes we just work against our own best interests. What is that about? I have no idea. I have been cross-stitching, however, because that is something that is very easy to do um, at night or sitting outside. And my current project is the Fat Quarter Shop Evergreen Mystery Stitch Along. 
And this is a um, kind of Christmas in July type thing. And it is just such a super cute pattern with, um, well, I think we've, they've released enough for you to know that it's got uh, a Christmas tree and some text that says uh, like merry and bright. And um, as a person who is, you know, stitching, um, along i'm actually a week ahead of of the pattern release and i got to tell you that there's a lot of stitching in these patterns um it's just very cute but there's a lot of just like solid stitching with color changes so it takes a while so that has actually been consuming quite a bit of my time so i've been posting my project uh, my my progress on instagram if you guys want to go over and check it out it's very cute i'm using the um, classic colorways um floss that's hand dyed so you get some more variegation in that so that's been really pretty and um i'm using um i just used uh fabric that i had which is 25 count lugana in parchment so it's it's a little bit more of on the natural side but lighter and uh, i don't know i'm not sure what i'm going to do with this it's a little bit bigger i don't have the i don't have the uh the measurements with me right now but maybe i'll make it it last year when i did this i turned it into a little pillow that i had just propped up in um in a bookshelf and i might do something similar or maybe i'll i'll frame it and and set it you know like on on a table or something like that for christmas so we'll see that remains to be seen but i also want to talk to you about a book that was sent to me um called enchanted garden cross stitch 20 designs that celebrate birds blossoms and the beauty in our own backyards and this book is so adorable it has um basically all garden themed cross stitch patterns it is by gail i want to say Busey, b-u-s-s-i as always i will put a link in the show notes but she just has these darling patterns. Um, many of them have um, some text. Like I'm, I just opened up the book to a random page and there's this very cute one that she just has finished in a hoop with a ribbon on top. So very simply finished. It says, we all grow better in sunshine and with love. And it has just a little garden and um, like hollyhocks. Oh, very, very cute. Um, oh, here's another one that was that is just so cute. It basically is like an overhead view of a, of a formal garden and it, it and with some text around the edges that says, you know, oregano, chives, thyme, lemon balm, parsley, lavender, and it's very cute. Um, here is a very cute bee themed one, um, which is called Love is the Honey. And it says, life is the flower, love is the honey. And it's got two bees and an adorable beehive. And then she actually has a an herb-infused honey recipe in there. Um, and just like, here's one of a little flower shop. And this one's called Tea in My Garden. And it's more like a long, skinny one. It's got, um, it says Tea in My Garden. It has a, has a teacup and a cake and then a teapot. I mean, it's just, it's just darling. So if, if um, you're into cross stitch and um, you, you know, like sort of more uh, botanical themes, I think you would love this book. But <laughs> it would, if you read like the intro and stuff, she was very um, inspired by the book, The Secret Garden. And so I, when 
when I was sick, I sat outside in, the, in, in my backyard looking through this book, and it inspired me to go read The Secret Garden. I did a lot of reading while I had COVID, and I reread The Secret Garden, and it was absolutely delightful. We'll talk about that in a little bit, so super sweet. Um, in knitting news, I packed the elementary wrap that I've been working on for, at this point, two years, um, as my project when I traveled both to Massachusetts and to Sweden um, and did work on it. Mostly, I'm realizing, and it's kind of a bummer, it's a big project at this point because I am about two-thirds of the way through it, so it takes up space in my in my uh, personal item carry-on. But I do most of my knitting while waiting in the airport. I've, just, I've realized that, especially with something that big, that I'm, I'm conscious of my elbows and so I don't really do a lot of knitting on the plane which I should just get over that because there's so much time there but um, I am officially on ball of yarn number three three of three balls of yarn so it took oh my gosh I feel like when I would get to the start getting to the end of these balls of yarn I'd go okay like I'll be through this really quickly and then it would be like a month I'm still knitting it's like it's like the never-ending ball of yarn so I'm on ball three. Um, maybe this thing will be done for this coming winter, which for us does not really happen until December. So I've still got like six months. So that was kind of uh, a, a fun milestone for me to hit. So I did quite a lot of reading, as I mentioned, when I was sick. And um, the first book that I picked up was a Leon Moriarty book. So she is this author, Australian, that I love. She wrote... What Alice Forgot, which I absolutely love that book. I've read it multiple times. Um, Nine Perfect Strangers, the, uh, the one that was made into a show, Big Little Lies. So I used to, you know, at some point I had sort of read everything she'd written, and then I kind of forgot about her. So I, just from Libby, got a book of hers called Apples Never Fall. And it was so good. I really enjoyed it. It was weird. I, I thought usually when I'm sick, I kind of have a hard time concentrating on reading. But during COVID, reading was better for me than watching TV. My eye, my eyes became very light sensitive. And so um, I didn't actually like watching shows, which is weird for me, as you know, if you know me. Anyways, um, so Apples Never Fall is it's a family story um, about um, a... A, a family with four grown children and the mother disappears she just one day disappears and um they're trying to figure out what happened uh, it is widely assumed that the husband has um, killed her and um, and he's acting really weird about it and you've got these four grown kids that are all very different from each other um, sort of trying to come together to figure out what happened but also fighting there's a lot of family history there this family um, they owned a tennis school they're all very competitive tennis players and and that really plays into it and um, so anyways I don't want to give too much away but it was um, it was a very enjoyable read so then on like buoyed by that success I went on and um, to her book called Three Wishes and this was okay um, I did not like it as much as Apple's Fall and it again she's just in a bit really about the family stories it's about um, these the set of triplets two are identical and one is fraternal and um, the 
uh, at the beginning of the book, it opens with this scene from other people's perspectives of watching these three women who were at a restaurant celebrating their birthday um, with three separate birthday cakes and then, you know, kind of making a spectacle of themselves. And then they get in this really big um, fight where one of them actually throws a fondue fork at her sister that hits her in the stomach and she's pregnant. And so um, it was like crazy. Things were absolutely crazy. And then we basically spend the rest of the book backed up, moving towards that moment to figure out how you've got there. So um, very tightly, uh, tight, you know, tight-knit family, but very dysfunctional. Um, so anyway, so that, that was, that was good. Um, and also one of those books where both Apples Never Fall and Three Wishes in the style of Leanne Moriarty is that, um, you feel, she makes you feel like you have all the information about a situation and then slowly begins to reveal that things are not what they seem. And that happened in both of those books, which reminded me very much of an author that I used to read all the time called Marion Keyes. And she's an Irish writer, kind of in, like, if you like Maeve Binchy, you will like Marion Keyes. And um, so I was reminded of her and went looking on Libby for like, what, where, what's, what has she written lately? What can I get right now? And I ended up with a book called The Woman Who Stole My Life, and I did it as an audiobook. And I really enjoyed about the first half of it, and or maybe three quarters, two thirds, and then I just could not wait for it to be over. Um, but I did listen to it all the way through and was satisfied with, with how it ended. The, the premise here, and this isn't giving anything away because of the way it's written. So it starts out in the present where this woman, um, I can't even remember her name right now. Um, she, Stella, she, um, you know that she has been a successful author. She's now trying to write a second book and her life is just kind of crap. She's getting a divorce. She's got no inspiration to write a book. She's broke. Her kids are off the rails. And you find out that um, her best-selling book was about her experience um contracting a rare disease called, now I'm forget what it's called, like Guillain-Barr, which made it so that her, she was completely paralyzed. She could not move any muscles except for she could open and close her eyes. And um, it's, it's this rare disease that like strips this, this layer off of your nerves. It's a real thing. And, um, and then it, it, she, you know, be, because the book is in, starts out in real time that she does get over this. So that's always good information to have. Um, but it kind of walks you through when she contracted this and what her life was like for months and months of laying in a hospital. Um, and the book that she wrote was called One Blink at a Time because that's all she could do to communicate was to blink. And so that was all like very interesting. And again, things are kind of slowly revealed. But then at some point I was just like, where is this going? <laughs> you know, like I already know where life is crap now. I know how she got there. Like, where is this going to go? So, um, I, I bumped the speed up to, you know, one and a half speed and, and got through the end and it, it did end satisfactorily, but um, I was a little disappointed that it had sort of, it lost my attention, but it did remind me that I do love Marion Keys, and I'm going to go see what else she has written. Um, 
I also read my first Ellie Griffiths book. Now, Ellie Griffiths is a mystery writer, and I think I, she first came to my attention because Diane in Denmark from the YouTube channel, um, she loves her. And I had trouble finding Ellie Griffith books in real life, um, like at a library here, but I was able to get one on, um, on Libby, and it was actually her, I think her first book, and it was called The Stranger Diaries, and um, it has this uh, protagonist that I think she, she wrote two books about her. And then she switched over to a new protagonist called Ruth Galloway. And I think that is her more successful series. So I haven't read a Ruth Galloway um, uh, book yet. But The Stranger Diaries um, was good. It's about a, um, a woman who teaches at a school. It's kind of like a dark academia theme. So she teaches English at this um, private school in England, and her best friend is murdered. She's a fellow teacher. And um, again, things sort of slowly revealed, you know, everyone's a suspect um, kind of situation. And um, it, it was good. It was just so if you like mysteries, um, yeah, I'm now on the Ellie Griffiths train. I'm glad to I'm always happy to, to discover a new mystery author because I do love that. Um, I also, as I said, read The Secret Garden, which was right after I'd just done a whole lot of gardening. I was sick at this point, but I was so glad that I had put the effort into the backyard because being outside was, you know, a way to get out of this house where people were isolating and life was not so fun. And um, it just makes you appreciate gardens so much to see um, a garden come to life from a, from a child's perspective. And the last book I want to talk about, I actually just finished this morning, although I skimmed this heavily. It's a nonfiction book called Mom Fluenced by Sarah Peterson. And it is all about the, the, the well, in my day, we would have called the mommy blogs, but it's now the, the mommy in, uh, Instagram <sighs> phenomenon. And um, this was, it was a very interesting read. The author admits very much to being mom fluence that she has her favorite um you know mom instagram accounts where people have just created these you know this this vignettes of their life where they're all you know wearing their their knitted hand knitted sweaters and their you know white clear countertops or 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 um you know beautiful messes you know curated messes of of hand dyed yarn and children in you know little london pinafores kind of a thing and and how the author just talks about how she buys into this and she she click 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 buys this kind of stuff and um it, it's the book's kind of all over the place it 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 covers a lot of ground um so i was you know it, it i actually don't follow most of the people that she's talking about, and because I think that this this is for the generation of women who have small children now. So for me, and the, that was you know Soul Mama and um, Alicia Paulson, Posey Gets Cozy. Those were my mom influencers. <laughs> um, it's a whole different generation now, but it did really it, it gave me conflicting feelings. One is um, like Instagram is these days in so many ways it's just it's there to sell you things. Like when, when we all started, it was just about sharing our lives. And that's how it was, you know, I mean, I found my whole quilting tribe there and, and that was wonderful. But then, you know, then ads started coming in and then, then all of a sudden these people who had these very beautiful, authentic accounts monetized things. And then the game sort of changed. 
and um, so I was I got very into like okay this is like turning me off of this and then then the other side of the coin is there are a lot of women out there who are really trying to supplement their family's income in the margins of them being home with their children so why are we being negative about that like this is a way that um, you know in the same way that an ad is pretend, yes, these accounts are semi-pretend. Nobody's really living these beautiful lives the way they are portrayed, but it is a way for these um, women to make a living. So why are we, you know, shaming them for that? So there's like a lot of like, I, I felt sort of emotionally all over the place. It did make me go through my Instagram account. And if you go to your profile and to following you there's a little section called least interacted with and these are the accounts that you have are least interacted with and I went through and I like you know I was you know I was following hundreds of people right and I just I unfollowed so many people I'm like I don't even know who you are <laughs> you know um, and and any and I am very sensitive to any Instagram account that gives me a negative feeling like oh I just unfollow like I've got no space for that and I'm really trying to be off Instagram more and more um, but ah, yeah so so anyways it, it was it was a crazy ride through momfluenced and I did start um, kind of you know reading quickly and skimming as um, I had a hard time believing that, that she had so much to say on the subject but it was uh, it was very interesting so if you want to kind of examine your own feelings about how you interact with social media and how it influences the things that you buy and the way you feel about um, the way you mother or the way you keep house things like that um, you know it's maybe something good to examine speaking of which um, this morning so okay so as I have cleared out a bunch of people that I either Instagram's not showing me or that I don't really care about new accounts that I followed years ago are starting to show up I'm like oh my gosh I forgot about you and one of them is Yarnstorm, which is uh, by Jane Brockett and it was funny that it came up because during COVID I pulled out because because looking at screens hurt my eyes I was pulling out real books and um I pulled out The Gentle Art of Domesticity, which is just like one of my all-time favorite um, books. Just And at this point, I've read it so many times, I just kind of, was just kind of flipping through for inspiration. And her style is not at all my style. She's way more um, K-facet, bright, colorful, all over the place, maximalist. And that's not me, but I do appreciate it. And so anyways, so, you know, she was sort of on my mind. And then... Um, she posted on Instagram that she she doesn't do her blog Yarnstorm anymore, but she's turned it into a Substack newsletter, which is free. And so I clicked over and just had the greatest time this morning um, out on the patio with a cup of coffee, reading through all these old posts. And the post from today, I guess it comes out on Sundays for your sort of leisurely Sunday reading, is um, it's called Coming Home. And it's about her trip to Sweden, her son apparently. So in Yarnstorm, she's got these twins, um, Tom and Alice, I think. And Tom is now married to a Swedish girl, like how everyone's kids are growing up. So she went to this place about an hour away from Stockholm and she feels like she just, you know, should have been born Swedish. And so all the pictures were beautiful and then she, uh, so it was a very fun post to read or newsletter to read. And then she introduced me to um, the the art of Carl Larson, 
with two S's, Larson. Um, he was a Swedish artist, and I cannot even tell you how his art speaks to me. They're all like um, domestic interiors, which is what Jane Brockett is all about. Um, but they're all just very Swedish with lots of geraniums and rocking chairs and red houses. And I immediately got on the library app and I ordered two um, books, you know, requested two books of the artwork of Carl Larson to, to peruse. So I was very excited about that. So um, that was just like a fun thing that happened this morning. All right, let's move on to the TV and movies. I actually watched a couple movies, including um, A Man Called Otto, which is based on a book called A Man Called Ove. I'm assuming they just didn't like that name. Um, a Man Called, it's a book I've been meaning to read for 10 years, or I don't know, some amount of time. Someone's gonna call me out and it's not that old, but um, I've been wanting to read the book, kind of realized I was probably never going to, so went ahead and watched the movie. It stars Tom Hanks as a cranky old man who's a widow, a widower, and um, he is very seriously <laughs> contemplating suicide when a family moves in across the street from him and they need help. And so he sort of interrupts his plans to go help them. And um, then how his um, friendship and interaction with this family kind of is, is life-changing. Meanwhile, you are being sort of fed tidbits about his, his, um, his history on that street and his life and and how he gets to where he is as a as a cranky old man so highly recommend a man called Otto. we tried to watch the new avatar um i enjoyed the original avatar movie i kind of came to it late i don't think we saw it no we didn't see it in the theater um and i know that the new one came out and he i think at the filmed like three of them at the same time. So he's got, you know, these are gonna be coming up for a while. And um, I think my, my youngest son went and saw it in the theater when it came out and was like, yeah, it's not that great. Um, it's not that great. We couldn't get through it. So do not, do not recommend it. Also, if you haven't seen the original Avatar recently, I felt like I am not picking up where the other one left off. Like I have a lot of questions here. So that was a little disappointing. Um, oh, speaking of movies, are you going to see the Barbie movie? I um, I have no plans. I don't know why everyone wants to see this movie. Um, you know, but I get this way. Um, in back in 1998, when everyone saw Titanic, I also felt like, why does everyone want to see this movie? I don't want to see this movie. As a matter of fact, um, I was pregnant with my oldest, and um, on that Friday, on, on a Friday, I said, okay, if I do not have this baby this weekend, we will go see Titanic. And then I went into labor that day. So that's how much <laughs> I didn't want to see Titanic. I've still never seen it. So I'm feeling that really um, just contrarianism to, with Barbie. Um, I do want to see um, Oppenheimer, though, because I do love Killian Murphy since I saw him in Peaky Blinders. But anyways, I digress. Um, now, the shows. We just finished... The Lincoln Lawyer. So The Lincoln Lawyer, it's, I think it's the second season. There's five episodes. And and then in August, there's going to be another five episodes, which was disappointing because, you know, how, how do they expect me to keep all this information in my head? Um, but I do love The Lincoln Lawyer. It is based on a series of books by Michael Connolly. Um, he's a, yeah, I mean, I've talked about it before. He's a lawyer. He's called The Lincoln Lawyer because he likes to work out of his car. Um 
that has been um, a fun show. The show we watched when, um, when with my son while he was here is True Detective. Now, this is not a new show. And um, we went back to the first season, which has Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey as the two detectives. And this show was phenomenal. It was very graphic um, from a violence perspective. And there were, I'll warn you, there were some sex scenes that were a little awkward when you're watching with your kid. We would, I would jokingly like close his eyes, you know, put my hands over his eyes or we would fast forward because I'm just not going there. Um, but it's uh, the, the acting with Matthew McConaughey and um, Woody Harrelson. They are absolutely phenomenal and the makeup jobs they did because it, there's flashbacks to about 15 years before and current and man you really just buy that they were young and now they're old and and so that was that was very good um the other show so these are shows i'm watching with my husband oh jack ryan um love jack ryan have the hardest time following the plot lines for these things they are very complicated my husband and i are always we're like constantly going back and forth like reiterating what's happening so that we both understand and we're just like my god it's like we're not even smart enough to watch this show the the plots are very confusing we've got we're going to actually watch the last episode tonight um i'm enjoying this season more than last season last season i felt like we were totally lost this one i feel like we're tracking much better so that's on amazon prime now for my uh, shows that you know my own personal time hanging out on acorn or the pbs app i um, finished happy valley um that show was phenomenal so if you have acorn and you could watch it all the seasons like it's three seasons right in a row that would be like i feel like going back and starting it over but um happy valley is anything but a happy show it's very grisly but it's so good and um this last season well i mean i think all the way through it's got i think his name's james norton I hope that's right. Um, he is uh, from, he is Sydney. He's the actor that played Sydney from Grantchester, the hunky redheaded um, vicar slash detective um, from many years ago. And he is absolutely the opposite horrible rapist killer character in Happy Valley. And he's amazing. So that is an amazing, that, that just, I highly recommend that show. Um, when I was um, sick, I was looking for something to watch and I was struggling with it and realized there was a new season of Grantchester. Now it's been a different vicar for, for many years now, but it's, I think it's season eight. And so when I went back to watch it, I'm like, I don't think I've watched this for a few years. So I went back to season seven and I probably should go back to season six, um, but I watched season seven and season eight. Um, and I'm glad I went back to season seven because significant things happened in that season that would have been real spoilers if I'd started at season eight. Um, but yeah, the last two seasons of Grantchester, which I watch on the PBS app, is were, were very good. So highly recommend that. Also on Acorn, they fed up to me um, or served up to me Winter Solstice. Now, if you've been around for a while, you know that I love this book, Winter Solstice by Rosamund Pilcher. I read it almost every year, Christmas time. Well, it turns out they made it into a show like, I don't know, 20 years ago, uh, or as we would have called it then, a mini series. And I struggled, I <laughs> sort of, I, I struggled with whether to watch it because in my head, the characters, what they look like, what the house, what the town looks like, it's very firmly implanted in my imagination. And I was afraid if I watched it, 
um, those new images would, uh, you know, override the ones that I created for myself, but I did it anyways. And, um, the thing is, is that the show, which I think Rosa Minda Pilcher kind of worked on, it was so different that it doesn't, it just, to me, it was, it's just like a whole different thing. So, so that's the good news, but it's also the bad news because, um, they changed it so much. First of all, the characters are just like, in my opinion, badly cast from who I have in my head. <laughs> and I did, I actually screenshotted Elfrida and Oscar, the two main characters, and sent it to my friend Francis and said, this is Elfrida and Oscar. And because we were discussing how we have very different visions of, of the character of Oscar. But when I sent her that, she's like, no, 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 that is absolutely all wrong. Um, and if you've read the book, I think many of you have. So, you know, we've got Carrie and Lucy who, who come to the house. Um, and Lucy is Carrie's niece. In, in this uh, scenario, it's her sister, <laughs> which is just so wrong. And um, the house is wrong. The town is wrong. Everything is wrong. It was... Um, it was a very mediocre, it was a very mediocre uh, show. So I did watch it. Of course, I watched it all the way through. And it was like, eh. And it just, yeah, it was wrong. Um, but then it turns out that they made something called Summer Solstice. So they took this. It must have done pretty well when it came out because, and that, and it says that Rosamund Pilcher worked on it, but she never wrote a book, I don't believe, called Summer Solstice that continued the story. Now, I, I, I wish to the depths of my heart she had written a book, Summer Solstice, because I after how winter solstice ended, I would love to have known what happened the next year. Um, but at this point, we've just really gone off the rails from anything to do with the original book. And I could not get through that one. So and I don't know, just this kind of kind of interesting. All right, my voice and my energy are starting to flag here. So I just want to finish up with a couple tiny little homemaking things that I have um, discovered. So the first one is a while back, um, our pepper grinder from that that my friend gave me I don't know for our wedding or something kind of fell apart it was actually during COVID and um it was so funny one night we were on a walk and, and and I said I feel like we need to talk about something no one's mentioning and that is the pepper grinder is basically breaking peppercorns in half and that is all it's doing anymore no we're not even acknowledging this and my my son Jonah was like I know I've been meaning to say something too so anyways I was on the search for um a, a good pepper grinder went to my like my normal recommender facebook pages and things like that bought one that um was not good um and uh yeah it's, it's hard to find a good pepper grinder it's weird so about this time this company called peppermate had approached me and said would you like to be an affiliate for us, us? and i was like well send me a pepper grinder and we'll talk about it somehow that email got lost and um they did not approach me for like a year, <laughs> but they finally did and said, oh yeah, we'd love to send you one. Um, and so they sent me the Peppermate Pepper Grinder, which you can buy on Amazon. I'll put a link in the in the show notes. And it's actually lovely. So it's it comes in various colors. And actually the, the Peppermate website is just like full of, of recipes and different peppercorn blends. And it's like, they're more than just a pepper grinder. Um, so I have the black one. It is It is plastic. And it has a very big, um, like wheel to turn, you know, like on a, on a, uh, what's it called? A can opener, like the bigger, the, the thing you turn, the better, because you can just go more, get more leverage on that. So it's got a really big one of those. It grinds and you can adjust the grind. It's wonderful, but it's got 
one feature that I, I really, really like, and that is, and I didn't know that I would like it until I started using it, there is a little plastic piece, clear plastic piece that fits on the bottom. So if you just want to, um, you know, grind like right into your salad, you just take that piece off and you grind right into your salad. But I don't know about you, but sometimes when you're cooking and um, I can think of two scenarios that I like this for. Sometimes you're cooking and you want to, you know, kind of heavily pepper the steaming pot of, uh, you know, soup or um, a spaghetti sauce or something like that. And I don't really like doing it over the, right over the pot because there's a lot of steam happening there and splashing or whatever. Um, I, I don't like doing that. And so what you can do is you can, this little plastic piece that fits on the bottom, this clear plastic piece, is you can sit there and you can just grind into that and then take that and shake it out onto your, whatever you're cooking. And the other thing is, um, you know, when, when you're, you, following a recipe that says to use like a teaspoon or, you know, of pepper. I've, I've always just, you know, been, would wing that. Like, I don't know how much, and I always think I'm probably under peppering because I just don't want to sit there and grind for that long. But um, this way you can grind it and you can kind of get a visual or you could measure it if you wanted to of how much pepper is really being ground there. So, um, so anyways, I've uh, really enjoyed using this, uh, this pepper grinder. And um, so if you're in the market for a pepper grinder, highly recommend. I'll put a link in the show notes. The other thing, the other product that I've been enjoying is I told you about reading the book Laundry Love and tried some soap flakes as laundry detergent. I could not get them to dissolve. I returned them and I just, you know, was still using basically the Kirkland Signature generic Tide Pods for a while. I'm just like, okay, I was so inspired by this book and it hasn't changed how I'm doing laundry. So what I ended up doing um, after doing some research is um, not soap flakes, but I have now completely converted to laundry strips. So, um, and I am using the brand called Clean People, and it's a, a cardboard box that just comes with these these strips, like um, little sheets, and you actually can tear them in half, and a half is good enough for our, for laundry. And it, you just put it in the washer and it just dissolves. The whole thing dissolves and there's no microplastics like you have with the pods. It doesn't come in a plastic bottle like the pods. So you, it's, it's so environmentally friendly because it comes in a, a cardboard box that you can just recycle and the actual laundry things just absolutely disappear. So um, I tried it out. If you get on the website, I'll put a link. I have no affiliate or anything like that for it. But, um, you know, I think you can often get a, a discount the first time you order it and then they started constantly sending deals so um which i ignored for a long time but somewhere i think around the fourth of july or something they had a really good sale so i said okay i'm gonna buy another box of 96 and then when you check out you could get another box of 96 for half that price so i'm kind of stocked for a year at this point it is probably a little bit more expensive but it's still i don't know what did i figure out it's like 20 or 30 cents a load it's, i mean you know we can afford that um and I've had just absolutely no issues. It's, it's, it's working just fine as a laundry detergent. So I'll put a link in the show notes for clean people. All right. Well, I've made it through with only just, you know, a handful of coughing attacks here. But thank you for spending this time with me. As always, you can find me online at my blog, Simple Handmade Every Day, with all the show notes and links that I talk about in this episode online on Instagram as Kristen Esser. And please consider joining the Simple Handmade Every Day private Facebook group so that we can keep the conversation going. Have a wonderful week.